There was a period between 2013 and 2017 when Islamic State, IS, was an almost daily feature of the news. The group's sudden rise and ability to recruit young men and some women and girls from the West to travel and take up arms took many governments by surprise. More than 200 Australians, men, women and children, answered the call of then-leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi to travel to Syria and Iraq and help establish a new Islamic state, a caliphate. For a long time, the picture of the roles played by Australians in IS has been incomplete. The nature of their activities meant much of the information that's been gathered has remained classified or suppressed by the participants themselves. And then there's the difficulty of gathering evidence from Syria and securing a conviction in court. Well, Dr Roger Shanahan has sought to complete the picture with a new book titled Islamic State in Australia, which was launched at the Lowy Centre this week. Welcome back to the program, Roger. Yeah, thanks very much, Geraldine. Could you underscore for us, please, just how important the outbreak of the civil war in Syria was uh, to explain maybe how suddenly so many Australians were attracted to radical Islam and participation in jihad. I mean, before this conflict, the attraction had existed, but uh, only just, I think. Yeah, listen, I think that's a very important um, point that you make there. One of the uh, issues about uh, radical Islamism is it's been an ideology that's been around and has affected Australia for the um, past few decades, but it wasn't until uh, the civil war in Syria and then uh, as a result of that civil war, the ability of uh, firstly al-Qaeda and then what uh, later became Islamic State saw the opportunity to establish a physical territory that it not only uh, held but administered. And I think it was that uh, actual building of a physical um, a physical society that was the key to being able to attract so many people from uh, outside of the Middle East and in Western countries itself to go and not only build but defend this idealised Islamic society. Uh, very interesting. So that was the, the the territoriality of a caliphate that people could understand. That's, that's the large part of it. But I think allied to that as well was the great advances in uh, social media and information technology that made not only your ability to... Um, hold and establish a territory, but also to attract people. It was the immediacy that mm -hmm. social media gave on top of the fact that you built a physical territory that made it so attractive. Because um, interestingly, um, Al-Qaeda never attracted to the same extent, did it? It was a bit more abstract, wasn't it? I mean, it certainly wasn't abstract, but I mean, it's interesting to ponder why it didn't attract so many Australians. Yeah, I think it was more, more um, we kept on coming back to that idea about rather being uh, Al-Qaeda being a bit more theoretical in, in terms of what you want to achieve and looking um, at trying to attract people by explaining to them that they were playing the long game, that eventually things would, um, would present themselves that would be able to build a society. Well, Islamic State essentially said that uh, Al-Qaeda are talking about this society, well, we're building it at the mm -hmm. moment. And I think it was the reality rather than the, the yeah. theory that Islamic State presented. Now, of the more than 200 Australians who did join IS, are there certain common characteristics that emerge? Do we have a picture now of the person most likely to travel and join IS? Yeah, listen, it's always very difficult to say what the uh, what the average person uh, is because everybody's an individual and they're attracted 
for uh, certain reasons, but there are certain general characteristics um, and some of those are that, you know, the average person was in their mid-20s, uh, 80% or more uh, male, largely from uh, Sydney or Melbourne, although obviously not exclusively, educated to about the same level as the average Australian, largely employed more or less to the same degree as Australians, but um, overwhelmingly in blue-collar jobs. Um, and I think the other, you know, the other uh, aspect of uh, this is um, the degree to which the small social circles dictated uh, the likelihood of somebody travelling. So about a quarter or a bit less than a quarter of people that we know of uh, were siblings and nearly 50% of people were related by blood or marriage. Really? So I think that's that's a kind of important um, indicator, I think, of a person's propensity to uh, do these kind of actions. Were they religious, particularly religious? Uh, it's always very difficult uh, when you talk about um, their degree of religiosity and people often confuse uh, degree of religious knowledge with uh, religiosity, that if you don't know a lot about the faith, that you can't be of that faith. Um, lots of people might have failed a religious knowledge test, but they certainly felt themselves to be religious or their language was religious, their points of reference were all religious. So yeah, at the centre of it, it was um, religion was at the centre of Islamic State's attraction. And just going back to that 50% related by blood or marriage, um, that's very significant, isn't it? So, were they rather closed off from broader members of the community who might have said, oh, look, that's a stupid idea to do that, to go away? I mean, you know, was there advice or warnings coming into those tight... Are they, were they tight groups? Yeah, listen. I think that's part of the um, that's part of the issue when you have to uh, normalise what's you know such a, um, a huge bizarre, decision. Mm. Well, and also a bizarre uh, idea that you oh, can build this mm. kind of religious caliphate mm. uh, as well. Then um, you want to exclude people who are trying to dissuade you from doing that, and so that's why family groups or extended family groups become so important. But on top of that. It also presents challenges for security agencies because it's quite difficult to infiltrate groups that are so small or so tightly aligned with each other because of their blood or marital relations. So oh, I was just thinking of the of, of the wider mosque as well, though. You know, like whether I mean, we've just been talking to a Turkish man. You know, that, that's um, I presume this is, these are, are these sort of Shia. Of followers or Sunni followers, by the way, did you drill down to that? No, they're all they're all uh, Sunni followers, and in fact, they're um, oh, right. yeah, they uh, dislike uh, Shia they intensely. Don't like Shia. That's also one. That's also one of the characteristics. So, I mean, it, it's pertinent because I wonder whether the wider groups, you know, these quite broad circles, were drawn into the decision making and the fundraising. I mean, that's important for us to know too, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there's a reasonable amount of um, space in the book to uh, devoted to the ways in which people were able to uh, raise funds. Some of those, there was a bit of criminal activity. There was lots of uh, fundraising by uh, individuals who had no intention of this money going to charitable courses, or if they were going to do some kind of humanitarian assistance, it was part of the broader Islamic State uh, or Al-Qaeda effort. And so there were lots of people who were donating to charitable causes who thought it was going to a legitimate charity when, in fact, it wasn't. Um, and there is, you know, there's also a range of other uh, means by which Islamic State were able to 
uh, raise funds in Australia. But it is, um, it's the deception that was often exercised that people uh, willingly provided, uh, with all the best intentions, money for the relief efforts in Syria, but they're actually being misused uh, by individuals within Syria. These senior positions, if they did join Islamic State, the Australians? Yeah, listen, that's also um, an interesting issue when we talk about how do you define what a senior position is. People sometimes talk about, describe Australians who are there as commanders. But, you know, if you've been in the military, a commander can command one person or they can command 10,000 people. From what we know, um, probably the most senior Australian uh, or Australians in Islamic State, uh, one was eulogised as the head of the media department near the end of the... Was, he, was he the one who was the ducks of Punchbowl High? Well, that's what we uh, believe to be the case, but he, they've never been named. But given his background, that may be uh, mm. the case and he's believed to have been killed. There are a couple of Australians who are senior in um, uh, the military wing, one who ran uh, several training camps and was eulogised after his death. And probably the most senior Australian uh, uh, was with the al-Qaeda uh, rather than Islamic State uh, branch in Syria. Look, final question, Roger. How, the people who've been brought back, the men, women and children, how are they acclimatising or reintegrating into Australian society? Did you, did you, could you follow that? Well, it's a little bit too early for that. That's uh, part of the book where you look uh, into the future, what this might mean. Uh, we're very early in the process, as we know, uh, only uh, a small number of women and a large number of children have been brought back. One of the one of the um, ways of trying to reintegrate the children, in particular, uh, into society and give them the best chance to reintegrate, is to have some degree of anonymity. So it's very difficult, if not impossible, mm. to get information on the children. And for the women who come back, unless uh, they're charged and appear in court, it's also going to be difficult to get. Uh, information about exactly what occurred to them when they were in Syria. Mm. What, an, what a huge mountain for them to climb. Uh, Roger Shanahan, thank you very much indeed. There's lots more in your book, but I thank you for your time today. Okay, thanks very much, Geraldine. Roger Shanahan and his new book, Islamic State in Australia. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.